Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. You can follow us online at cometofreedom.com. My dad loves preaching verse by verse studies of the Word of God giving its full counsel. His studies pay particular attention to the practical application, contemporary examples, and incorporates the Word into our daily lives. Enjoy today's sermon and make sure to subscribe right now so you don't miss any future teachings. We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 15 once again. And if you guys recall, just a couple weeks ago, we were looking at the first uh, 12, 11 verses together, and we considered uh, the gospel according to the scriptures. And there was a lot of good feedback from that. And I don't know if you guys know or not, but the Bible... Uh, lays out very clearly what the good news is. There's a lot of bad news out there, but isn't it cool that every Sunday you can come here and you can hear good news? 9.30 a.m., for you guys who are watching it online, come, partake. Good news here. I actually want to make a banner that says that. Wouldn't that be cool? Good news here every Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Boom! Because a lot of people need that. There's a lot of problems out there. You guys know that? But there's solutions right here. And God has that for us. This morning, we're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians 15. But before we go there, I want to look at Acts chapter chapter 17 with you guys. We're going to be addressing why the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters today. I want you guys to know that the resurrection is central to our faith and it is unique to the Christian faith. This is one of those things that sets all other religions apart from Christianity. So, and it's cool how many Christians are in the world. If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, do you think there would be about 2 billion people upon the planet that would be believing that he did? I think that would have died out a long time ago. I'm just trying to be fair and reasonable. Wouldn't you guys agree? It didn't really happen. But man, there's a lot of people that believe in the gospel, that Jesus really did live, died, and he rose again. Yeah. Do you guys know there's about one and a half billion Muslims in the world? Sorry, I'm just throwing out some facts, okay? We have a bunch of Hindus. What astounded me this last week, I looked it up. You guys know how many Jews are in the world today? 14 million. There should probably be 10 times that amount, but there was a holocaust. And last night, my family, we took in just the rebirth of the Hebrew language just over 100 years ago. And just all that God promised that he would bring his people back into the land, okay? They are there, and they're looking for their Messiah And guess what? He is alive, and he is coming back. That's pretty exciting. Um, So Acts chapter 17 this morning. I want to share this because it kind of really lays down our study this morning of why the resurrection is important to us, especially as believers in Jesus. So we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 17. Uh, We'll start in verse 16 together. It says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, this is the Apostle Paul, he's on his missionary journeys. I've actually gone here, okay, where they're talking about. I got to be there. 
And it said his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols. Okay? And doesn't that grieve your heart as a believer in the one and true living God when you see idolatry or idols around? Your heart's grieved. And that's what's happening with the Apostle Paul. And then he said in verse 17 here, it tells us that he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then a certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. Okay, so these would be the worldly gurus, okay? They know their stuff, they're religious in part, and they have questions, okay? They're trying to figure things out. Well, they came to him and they asked, hey, what does this babbler want to say? And others said, hey, he seems to be a proclaimer of a foreign gods because he preached to them what? Jesus and the resurrection. That's what he was preaching. Jesus and the resurrection because the resurrection is important. The resurrection wasn't part of man's thinking. We live, we die. That's it. Okay, And if there is an afterlife, it's not really a physical resurrection that will happen. Verse 19 goes on to tell us, And they took him and they brought him to the Apocalypse, saying, May we know uh, what this new doctrine in which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athians and the foreigners who were there, they spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. So these people like to talk about this kind of stuff. Verse 22, Paul, he stood up in the midst of the Proclamus and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things that you're very religious. For I was passing through and I was considering the object of your worship. And I even found an altar with an inscription. And that inscription said what? To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world, the creator, okay? Made the world and everything in it since he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives life to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, like these idols, something that's shaped by art of man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. 
He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Did you guys catch that? This is how we know this to be true. Because he rose him from the dead. And then verse 32 says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Aren't you guys glad people don't mock that today? Go to any university, guys. This is one of those things that they want to argue and debate and mock. Why would they even care if it didn't really happen? Because they know the truth. And they don't want to deal with the living God. So, some of them mocked, and others said, <laughs> we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul, he departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionys and Arapagite and a woman of Demarius and others with them. If you look at the first verse of the next chapter, guys, where did he go? Ooh, what book we've been studying? Corinth. Let's turn to Corinthians together. Don't go to chapter 15 yet. Let's go back to chapter 1. What does Paul declare to you and I in chapter 1 of Corinthians? Well, we studied that a few months back, right? Many months back, Pastor. I want to look at chapter 1 with you guys. I love verse 18 because we have the wisdom of God. You guys understand that? As believers, we know God and we also have the wisdom of God. Okay, his word. And it tells us in verse 18 that the message of the cross, it's awesomeness to the world, right? It's just the coolest thing we've ever heard. No, the world thinks, what about the gospel? Oh, it's foolish. But it's to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Because we know that we would still be in our sins if there wasn't a sacrifice made for them. There's a debt to be paid. And when Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, he was saying, hey, it is paid in full, okay? Your sins are forgiven. And then jump down to verse 20, okay? Where are the wise? I ask that question all the time. <laughs> where are the wise? Because a fool says there's no God, and that's what we hear from so many today. That's what our teachers are teaching our kids across the street. Look right across the street. Hundreds and hundreds of teenage kids go to that school, and they're being taught that there is no God. Something, nothing, actually nothing blew up. That's what they're teaching our kids. There's no God, there's no creator, but creation came from nothing. That's the wisdom of our world today, guys. And they say, we're the foolish ones. No, we look at creation and say, well, there must be a creator. What's logical? What makes sense? But that's the thing, until a person's eyes are enlightened, how are they going to know the truth? How many of you guys, when you got saved, things just made sense? Like, oh boy, <laughs> I never saw it that way. <laughs> Why didn't I get this? How did I miss that? The spirit of the living God has enlightened our eyes, right? Um, he goes on to say, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? That's exactly what he does. A few verses down, it says, hey, these Jews, they seek for a sign. They're still looking for a sign. Okay, well, they had the scriptures and they missed their Messiah who's prophesied about over and over and over again. They missed it, guys. What signs do you need? He came and he fulfilled the words of your prophets. And they're still seeking for a sign to this day, guys. They're still waiting for their Messiah. Jump down to verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. I just want to leave it with that. 
<laughs> you guys understand? In comparison to the world's wisdom, the foolishness of God is greater than the best we have to offer. That's what we love about the scriptures. And this morning, we're going to continue our study on in chapter 15 of Corinthians. Let's turn there. We got through the first 11 verses last week where we considered the reality of our faith, which is Jesus, and that he had lived and that he had died and that he had risen again from the dead according to the scriptures and why it is so important that we hold to what God has declared in the scriptures when it comes to the gospel. Okay, and I told you guys that's the most important thing when it comes to our faith because if we don't get the gospel right, then it's perverted. And a perverted gospel is not going to save anybody. <laughs> Jesus alone saves, and we got to get that right. But when it comes to the preaching of God's word, okay, and if you take any time, I recently went through Acts again, 12 chapters in the book of Acts. You guys know Acts is the birth of the church. What did the early church do? Well, they were on mission, weren't they? They were going into the world and they were proclaiming Jesus everywhere they were going. As they went preaching Christ, in 12 chapters of the book of Acts, the resurrection is clearly preached. It always comes back to, hey, Christ rose from the dead. And there's an importance and there's a reason why the resurrection is preached. That's why we celebrate as Christians, what's our biggest celebration of the year? We talked about holy days last, or holy weeks and days and festivals last week. What's our big one? Easter, why? Because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But as believers, that reality is not just one day a year, it's every day of our lives. He is alive and because he lives, we live. So let's pick it up in verse 12 this morning. Okay, we have a hope. And it says, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some say that there is no resurrection from the dead? How is that being said? Because if you guys recall back to last time in our study, weren't there eyewitnesses? I'm not going to believe. You guys remember Doubting Thomas? Unless I see him myself, unless I'm able to touch him, you're talking not just a spiritual resurrection. That's what the JWs, Jehovah Witnesses, believe. They don't believe that Jesus actually rose physically. But Jesus made it very clear, no, I'm going to rise from the dead. And Thomas said, hey, you guys are saying you saw him, but I ain't going to believe unless I myself see him and I actually touch his scars. And did Thomas get to do that? He did. He was really dead, guys. You guys know that one of those scars was made by a Roman soldier who had a big spear? Right into his side and it went where? into his heart. You're dead. Okay, blood and water came out. He was dead. And a lot of people want to debate that. Well, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. And they have a lot of excuses, which are all very lame. But that's all they are. They're excuses to continue to want to believe that there is no God. And if I continue to believe this, then I will not be responsible to God. Well, guys, we are all responsible because we're here for one reason, 
We've been created to glorify him. And we need to do that. So they wrapped him up. They put all these oils and fragrances on him. 100 pounds of stuff. You don't do that to a dead guy. (laughs) You don't lay him in a cold grave. Shut the door. He was dead. But it's really cool. Because if you go to the grave today, what are you going to find? Nothing. Gandhi's bones are still in the ground, guys. Buddha's bones are still in the ground. Do you guys know where Muhammad's bones are? In the ground, and supposedly he's the greatest prophet who's ever lived according to the Muslim world. Jesus said he was God, and he said he would back it up. And he would prove it by what? Rising again from the dead. So here, oh, you guys want to hear a funny one? Okay, we, I grew up in Appleton. How many of you guys grew up in Appleton? Just 10 minutes down the road, okay? What is Appleton's claim to fame? What do we have that other cities don't have? We have Houdini. We have a museum for the dude. Do you guys know that he had a cult following? He said when he died that he would rise again from the dead 15 years later. You know a bunch of people showed up waiting for him to rise from the dead? Guess what? His bones are still in the ground, guys. That's our claim to fame. We had a kook. Anyways. But as the children of God, we have a faith that is real. Let's go on to verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if he is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. It would be if he didn't rise from the dead. We're wasting our time this morning, we're wasting our money. We're wasting so much of our energy and time. This backward living of following Christ, what a waste. How many of you guys, when you came to Christ, things changed? Your perspectives changed. You're not following the living God who came to what? To serve and not be served. Now we give our lives. It's not about us. We're going to love God and we're going to love others. And that means serving others. And the world looks in and says, that's dumb. Why would you do that? Why would you give your life to serving others? Do you not know that you only have one life? Get what you can now. Isn't that how the world thinks? Isn't that how you thought before you came to faith in Christ? It's all about me. But you come to faith in the risen Lord and you start following him. Well, that's where he's going to lead you to love him and to love others. So here we have a logical argument that if he's not risen, our faith is empty, but it's not empty because the grave was empty. Look at the next verse. Yes, we are found false witnesses or of God because we have testified of God that he was raised up, or they raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If, in fact, The dead do not rise. Wow. Isn't it cool that they were willing to testify to it? We believe. We saw with our eyes as we looked at just earlier in this chapter. 
There were over 500 at one time that saw him. Some of them were alive and still remained. You guys know back then we didn't have video cameras. It's not like, oh, there's Jesus. I got him on my smartphone. I got the video proof. He's alive. Back then, what did they have? Witnesses. We read about Cephas and James. Do you guys know that Jesus had two brothers who didn't believe? Didn't we read in the Gospels that he had, they one time came to get him because he was proclaiming to be the Messiah, <laughs> to be God, and like, ooh, things are getting a little heated. You're going to get in some trouble, bro. You've lost your mind. It's time to come home. Well, those two brothers that went to get him, do you guys know that they wrote two books in the Bible? Because they both came to faith when? After Jesus rose from the dead. Is that cool to think about? Hey, let's go to John 2 real quick. I do want to share a cool passage with you. Do you guys know that early on in his ministry, Jesus was already talking about being killed and rising again from the dead? How many of you guys recall the first miracle that Jesus did? We, wedding at Cana, water to wine, right? Well, right after that in John chapter 2, I think it's verse 19-age. Now let's go a little before. Yeah, the Jews ask in verse 18. Because he went into the temple, and his father's house was to be a house of prayer, okay? He got a little upset, started flipping to tables, some righteous anger. And then they came to him, and it says in verse 18, so the Jews answered and said to him, hey, what sign? What sign, they ask? do you show to us since you do these things? Okay? You're saying these things, you're claiming these things. What sign are you going to give us? Well, what does Jesus reply? He says to them, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. And then the Jews ask, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? Like, what? But what does verse 21 tell us? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. I'm going to rise again on the third day. And did he do it? Yeah. So you want a sign? I'm going to rise from the dead. It's a pretty big sign. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. You guys seen how important the resurrection is to our faith? Because if he did not rise, we're dead in our sins. We have no hope. Our faith is empty. But the tomb was empty. He really did rise, which means we are really forgiven. Because if he didn't rise, there is no atonement for our sin. We're still in our sin. We're still destined for hell. This talk of giving us eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, while the sacrifice didn't take Jesus, it didn't work. We're still in our sin and bound for hell. But no, he did rise from the dead. And because he rose, we really are forgiven. We're really going to heaven. Pretty cool, huh? So, I don't know. This should excite us as believers, right? We should be sharing this with others. Um, How many of you guys share about the resurrection when you share Christ with people? You know, a lot of times, like, oh, do you know God loves you? I mean, that's good. People need to know that. Do you know Jesus died for your sins? Yeah, But you know that there's resurrection power? 
there's power. <laughs> you can actually be forgiven. There's a power to forgive your sin. There's a power to set you free. There's a power that's going to resurrect you from the dead. There's power in the resurrection. We need to be sharing that with people. So are we in verse 17 now? 16, for the dead not rise, then Christ is not riven, risen, verse 17, and if he is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. That's the point we just made, right? Then also, those who have fallen asleep, and I want you guys to note, every time the Bible talks about somebody falling asleep, it's speaking about those who believe, okay? When they talk about people who just die, it says they're dead. They died. But for someone in Christ, they just fell asleep, okay? Jar, Jairus, your, your daughter, she's, she's sleeping. They were a household of faith. They're sleeping. She's just sleeping, okay? Um, in Christ, okay, they've fallen asleep in Christ. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Wow. Or most miserable. Does anybody have that translation? Jesus really didn't rise. We are the most, what a joke, what a con that's been pulled on mankind. But we have the evidence. We have the eyewitnesses. We even have secular witnesses to it. And as these things were going forth and being shared and preached and the gospels were being written, when Paul says, hey, some of these witnesses are even with us to this day. And we, the apostles, the 12, we saw him. And Paul said that he was one even due, like born out of due time. But he saw the risen Christ. When? When he was on the road to Damascus. They saw him alive, risen from the dead. And I'm sorry, if it was a lie, if they were trying to come up with some new religion and try to make these claims to be true, and they weren't, do you think all 12 of them would have been willing to be tortured, beaten, martyred, killed for their faith? No way. So, we would be. Because the world's nuts. Jump over to verse 30 real quick. This kind of ties into, you know, of all men, that we would be most miserable. In verse 30 it says, and why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why do we affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord? I died daily, Paul says. And in the manner of men who fought with the beast in Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. And that's the argument he makes. It's like, what would be the point of carrying on this lie? but he really did rise from the dead and we are willing to suffer, to die daily, <laughs> to go through it, to face these beasts in Ephesus, which we don't know if it was actually beasts like they were throwing the Christians there in Rome into the, what do you call it? I'm blinking. Anyways, they would have lions and different animals come and eat them alive. Maybe they had that in Ephesus or they were just men acting like beasts. I don't know. Commentators argued about what it was actually. I don't care. The point was he was being persecuted. That's what Paul is saying here. For his declaration, proclamation that Jesus really did die and rise again from the dead. So catch verse 20 here. He says, but now Christ is 
risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Was Jesus the first resurrection in the Bible? No. How is he the first fruits then? Do you guys know that there were? The power of God. Only God can raise the dead. So raising a girl from the dead or a friend, Lazarus, from the dead, only God can do that. So there were. Even the Old Testament, we had people, prophets, praying, and people being risen from the dead. So how is Jesus the first fruits? The difference is every other resurrection that we see in the Bible, all of them died. Jesus rose from the dead to live forevermore. He is the first fruit. He will never die again. And we are resurrected with him in like manner we will forever live glorified. No more pain, no more suffering. It's going to be wonderful and beautiful. I cannot wait. All right. Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all have been made alive. So if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a child of Satan. Okay, we are all born in Adam. Okay, we are born into this fallen world in sin. And you are in that state until you put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And when you're in Christ, you're born again. You're a new creation. You're given eternal life at that time. It is beautiful. A lot of us think eternal life starts when we die and we go on to heaven to be with Jesus. No, the second you believed, you have eternal life. We're partaking in that now. And there's a great tension because we consider what Paul's talking about Adam. When did that happen? Well, isn't that way back in Genesis chapter 3? Yeah. And that's why when we go to the scriptures, we got to understand the whole of the Bible the entire story. I see in Christianity today, it's very easy for people just to grab a doctrine. Okay, I'm going to take this scripture and I'm going to run with it and it's going to be all about this. That's not healthy and that's not good. <laughs> we need the whole counsel of God in understanding from creation that God made perfectly. Man rebelled and as a result, the curse came. Man fell. We are in our sin. And we all read the prophets in the Old Testament and there is nothing we can do. No matter what laws, what promises, in our best strengths, we still fall so short of being able to make it right again. And that's why God had to come and redeem. That's the big picture. Don't we talk about creation, right? And we talk about the fall and then there's redemption and that's what Jesus did on the cross by dying and rising again. Okay, but then there's this restoration. Let's turn to um, Revelation chapter 21. Just go to the end of your Bible. If you don't have an index, it'll be right at the end. (laughs) 
I shared this yesterday morning at men's prayer, which I would encourage you men, come on out for Saturday of every month, 8 a.m. It is good to pray for one another. We looked at just a few verses in chapter 21 because we know there's a restoration that's going to take place, okay, and is taking place. It is, but it's not complete yet. Do you guys understand that Christ is going to return? And what we're told according to the scriptures here in chapter 21, let me note real quick, because this also ties into the resurrection. In chapter 20, the chapter right before this, do you guys know that there's a great white throne judgment? And that happens at the resurrection, some are going to be resurrected unto life, and some are going to be resurrected unto death. Hell is real. There is eternal judgment, okay? God doesn't want to see that. He so loved the world that there is a way that those sins can be forgiven. But for those who reject God, their creator, there are consequences for saying no. I don't want fellowship. I don't want forgiveness. I don't want you. I'm living for me. And you will be condemned for all time. But for those who have been given life in Christ, that great white throne judgment, we pass. And we go before the Bema seat of Christ. And anyways, it's really cool. But that plays into the resurrection there in chapter 20. You guys can read it later today. And then in chapter 21, as a result of Christ rising from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and now we read here in chapter 21, and then John's saying, hey, I saw this new heaven. I saw a new earth, okay? And the first heaven and the first earth, they have passed away, and there was no more sea. And then John, he said, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem. Doing what, guys? Coming down out of heaven, okay? Um, the heaven from God, prepared for his bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard with a loud voice saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, okay? and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and they will be their, or he will be their God. So that's one of those things. Last night I had a conversation with the family in the car, and my kids were talking about this utopian idea Okay, and it's one of those things, guys, we can't do it. We can't get to that promised land. That promised land is something that God is going to bring to us. That's our faith. And again, that is unique to Christianity. <laughs> God is going to come, and he's going to bring with him a new Jerusalem, a new heaven. And I'm pretty stoked about that. I don't know about you guys, but don't we groan, Lord, come back set things right, because all we see is chaos. Things are falling apart. We need you. So let's go back. also want to note, because it's been really cool going through Exodus with you guys. We've been going Old Testament, New Testament, every other Sunday, back and forth. We went through Genesis last year and Romans, and how many times did we see the scriptures, like week to week, back to back, things were just fitting together beautifully. And last week in Exodus chapter 23, we considered three festivals that God instituted, and one of them was the Feast of First Fruits. And here we're reading here, Paul talking about the resurrection and Jesus being the first fruits. And the first fruits, that's where they would go. And you guys know when they would go? When was that festival to take place? Catch this, guys. The day after Passover. 
Do you guys see how huge that is? The Passover lamb, the blood is applied. And then we have the first fruits. And what would they do? They would take of their first fruits and they would come and they would wave them up in the air and they would thank God, you've been faithful. You've kept your promises. And we can do that as believers, guys. Jesus, because you are the first fruit. (laughs) You have been faithful. And you're going to keep your promise. Because you rose from the dead, I will rise too. What a savior. What a hope we have. So, 1 Corinthians 15. What verse we in? Twenty-two says, "In Adam all die, even in Christ." Ooh, I think I have a slide for that. It's not that one. There it is. Okay, for those who are in Christ. Well, I don't know, Pastor, if I'm actually in Christ. I haven't heard this gospel before. I haven't heard that I could be forgiven my sins. But I want to be saved. What must I do to be saved? Do you guys know the resurrection is a part of our salvation? We have to believe it because what is Romans 10, 9? This is how a person is saved according to the Bible. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and we believe in our hearts. So this is what matters. Do we believe in our heart that God did what? Raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Do you guys see the resurrection is tied into our salvation? Woo-hoo! That's part of the gospel. According to the gospel and according to the scriptures, Jesus lived, died, and rose again from the dead. And that's why we have to be preaching the resurrection. It is so essential to our faith. For it's with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 1.4 says, It declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. By what? The resurrection of the dead. It is important. And this talks about baptism, okay? It says in Romans 6, or do you not know that as many who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life, this resurrection, new life. Okay? And then he goes on to say, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in his likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him in the body of sin. It might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Do you guys know that you're free because Christ rose from the dead? The power of the resurrection, the spirit of God lives in us. Verse seven says, for he has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, and we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ had been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin, but alive to God or Christ Jesus our Lord. We get to walk in the newness of life, guys. We've been set free. I love Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? We've been crucified with Christ, that verse says. Crucified with him, we're dead. 
and we're risen to life and the life we now live, we're going to live in faith. Isn't that beautiful? To be actually set free to be who we've been created to be. It is beautiful. Acts 5.29, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Do you guys think that's pretty bold for Peter to say? Because what do we know of Peter? (laughs) Wasn't Peter the one who was denying the Lord to a little girl? I don't even know the man! He starts swearing. But something happened. There was resurrection power (laughs) that Peter encountered. He was a changed man. As a result of it, hey, (laughs) I ain't going to shy away. I'm going to tell the truth boldly. We need to obey God. Verse 30 says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be the prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And two more verses, guys. Philippians, I love this verse. Chapter 1, verse 21. It tells us, for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to live, it's Jesus. That's what he's saying. But to die is gain. Some of you fear death. We should be looking forward to it. I'm homesick. I'll be honest with you guys. If God would take me right now, I'm cool. I have a heart for my kids. I have a heart for you guys. It's probably more needed that I'm here. But I'm okay going home. Do you guys get that? Do you feel the same way? You know, to die is gain. Because we are going to live. We are living. We don't actually die again. A lot of people think, man, we're all going to die. For the Christian, we don't die. It's a promotion. The second we breathe our last, man, glorification, I have hair again. It's going to be beautiful. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5, 4 says, For we who are in this tent, we groan. Okay, my body's hurting this morning. This body's been groaning a lot today. It's being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. Do you guys get that? We know there's more to be had. That's why we look forward to the new Jerusalem, the new heaven. No more pain, no more sorrow. The mortality may be swallowed up by life. So let's wrap this up. Back to 1 Corinthians 15. Oh... Yeah, let's look at verse 24. It tells us, Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father, when he puts an end to all the rule and all the authority and power, for he must reign till he puts all enemies under his feet. And that's what's going to happen, guys. And he did that by rising from the dead. It says in verse 26, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Think about that. Is this just talking about physical death? How many of us living in this fallen world have lost much? There's been a death of maybe joy, death of peace, 
death of marriage, how many divorces, how many people going through it right now. There's just things that we struggle with. We're going, all that's going to be put to death, guys. Don't you long for that? Because we know God's ways are right and they are good. And when we die to self, we can enter into those things that the Lord has. His ways are good and right. But it doesn't mean that right now in this tension of the kingdom is now but not yet. That's kind of, we're in this restoration. The fullness of it has not yet come. But we who have come to Christ, we have come and we're starting to partake and we're seeing bits and pieces of it along the way. And we see how God intended things to be the way they're supposed to be. And we don't want to grieve him. We don't want to mess those things up. And we know our tendency, it's very prideful, very selfish. But man, God has set us free from sin. We get to walk in the newness of life. We actually can love, serve each other. It's beautiful. But even if we're doing that to the best of our abilities, with all of God's help and grace, there's still going to be struggles in this life. Do you guys understand that? And that's why we long, that's why we mourn and we groan. We want to see that full restoration take place. And then verse 27, it says, For he will put all things under his feet. But he says here, guys, all things are put under him. It is evident that he will put all things under him is expected or accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son will also be subject to him who put all things under him. That is God, that he may be all in all. You guys understand that? Christ did this, okay? But the Father has also given to him all of this. It's cool. A few more verses. Look at verse 29, okay? There are results of rejecting the resurrection. Otherwise, what will we do if we're baptized for the, or who are baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? You guys know that you can't baptize the dead? Okay, it doesn't work. And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by boasting in you, which I have in Christ our Lord, I die daily. Okay? Like we are willing to go for it, to partake of the Great Commission, even if it's going to cost us something, even if there are sacrifices. Why? Because we know the resurrection is true. We know Jesus is the only answer. How can we not want to get the gospel out? You guys have heard of our God's girls here. Okay? They're going to be doing some fundraiser, fun stuff for us over the next few months and what they want to do with the money that's made, either from what we're going to put together this next month, some Christian bookmarks, okay? Um, there's going to be a bake sale in May, Lord willing. But anything that comes in, these girls want to get Bibles to people who don't have access to Bibles. Why? Because that's what's needed. How will they hear without a preacher? They need to hear the word of God. It needs to be shared. And in order for that to happen, there must be sacrifices. But pastor, I like being comfortable. I just want to be home. I don't want to go do anything. Yeah. We have eternity to be comfortable. 
right now we live in the example of Jesus. He came to serve and not be served. We redeem the time. We're on mission. Why? Because Jesus really rose from the dead. And it might cost us something. I mean, here's Paul laying it out, verse 32. In the manner of men, I have fought with these beasts of Ephesus. And what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink, and be married. And he says in verse 33, two more verses. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. How many of you guys have heard that scripture before? Maybe you had a grandpa and grandma that shared that verse with you, right? I think there's a tension here too. I see some Christians want to retreat from the world altogether. I do just want to hide because <laughs> I don't want to be corrupted by the world because I know what the world is saying about Christ and what they say about the resurrection, okay? I did 13 years of youth ministry, and in that time, I saw a lot of kids walk away from their faith. They grew up in a Christian home. Mom and dad brought them to church. They learned the Bible, but they went off to university, and again, the gospel's challenged. Christianity is poked at. Can't be true. Instead of standing in their faith, they give in to the wisdom of this world, which is totally illogical and has no backing. How can you prove that? You know? Anyways, I'm not even going to get into this. Too, like, I read a bunch of arguments this week. It's just like you, your heart breaks. You're just blind. You're willing to believe a real lame excuse to do away with all the proof there is. Anyways, um, the tension is, do we need Christians in the universities? Absolutely. There has to be light. There has to be salt. We can't just hide. And the tension is, how far can I go without being influenced that I'm being ripped off from my faith? And brother and sister, that's why we must be growing and mature in Christ. We need a firm foundation. We need a firm foundation in Christ that we're able to stand. And when the world comes at us and the lies come our way, we can say, hey, but God has said, this is what true, this is what God has done, this is what he is doing in my life. Because if we're walking with him, how many of you can testify, God's doing stuff in your life. Even in the hard stuff, God's doing stuff. He's very much alive. We can't deny that. So there is this tension, and we gotta be wise. Wise as serpent, right? Harmless as doves. So be discerning. If you have friends that are bringing you down, maybe it's time to cut off those friendships. For me personally, over the years, I've placed myself out there, hey, if I'm the influencer for truth, for Jesus, this is a good relationship. But if they're gonna start dragging me down into their sin or into their unbelief, not good. I need to walk away. Even though I love them and I want to see them come to faith, I know this is right and this is healthy. And there are some relationships that I've had that I couldn't stay in that relationship. Now being a little older and walked with Jesus a little longer, I feel and I have with some of those relationships returned where I'm not influenced but I get to be the influencer. 
But that's something, guys, I think we got to walk in that tension and have wisdom and be praying and asking God what that looks like. Why? Because verse 33 says, don't be deceived, so we can be deceived. Right? Evil company corrupts good habits. Not might, it does. So we need to be very aware. Okay, don't be deceived about it. In verse 34, it says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. How many of you guys have been praying for an awakening? Okay, I'm kind of excited. I'm hearing about these revivals. I hope they're legit. Time will tell. Some of you guys might be judgmental and critical. Repent. You don't know what God's doing. You're not God. Knock it off and start praying. There's too much. Oh, don't go on YouTube. <laughs> on the flip side, guys, are we ready for revival? We just had a movie come out. I'm going to saw the new movie. What is it called? Jesus Revolution? I'm going Tuesday night, 610 showing over here. My family's going if anybody wants to join us. Um, yeah, part of my background, it was kind of tied into that story and that movie. That's kind of some of the background. Uh, Sonny and I went to a Calvary Chapel Bible College, so we got to hear firsthand testimonies of what God did. Some of you guys, our parents even kind of through that Jesus movement, um, came to faith, there was an awakening. And we see lasting fruit from it. Like really, society's been changed as a result of what God did in the late 60s and 70s. But it was also in a place where people were open in seeing that, hey, we need something. There needs to be more. We're looking for answers. And I think we're at that point totally again. I mean, you look at the confusion among the younger generation. We're abusing our children. We're subjecting them to things. They... Kids are not dumb. They're just looking for something and they're willing to try and do anything to try to find fulfillment and hope and it doesn't work out apart from God, guys. It's just getting worse. More mental health problems than ever before, more pills being dealt out, more suicides than ever. Are we ready for another awakening? I think so. But the question is, are we ready? You guys have heard me say this before. The Spirit of God would move, okay? If He would drop a bomb like that and a spiritual awakening would happen, you guys aren't welcome here anymore. You're going to open up your homes. We're not going to have room. You guys have been well taught. You know the scriptures. You know the importance of going through the Bible and growing. There's a maturity that comes from that, and this is what tells us what's right. You guys are going to be sharing the Word of God in your homes, okay? And what we're going to do is raise up people and send them out. Well, isn't that cool if that's what would happen? I think that should be happening regardless. Is that in your heart to grow, to be sent? I hope so, guys. Because as Christians, we should all be in that place of wanting to grow and step out into the Great Commission. That's why we're here. Fill the Great Commandment, fill the Great Commission. Love God, go tell people about Him. Pretty simple. Amen. I think we're done. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. God, we definitely see and are thankful for the reality of the gospel, the reality of who you are, Jesus, that you are alive, that we can really know you, to truly be forgiven, to have eternal life. What a Savior, what a God you are. And we do want to share this hope with the world. God, we want to be able to stand and give a defense for our faith when those, those who come and they ask, how could we believe in this Christ? Father, I pray that you continue to equip us and grow us.
God, shine brightly through us. Let us be instruments of your grace. Let us be bold with the gospel and sharing with others this good news. This is what the world's looking for. God, we need freedom, and it's only found in you, Jesus. And it's in your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening in today to Freedom Fellowship. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. If so, would you please take a minute, like us, subscribe, and leave a review. This is a free way we can reach others with his word. You can watch video teachings of sermons on our website, cometofreedom.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.